This is E-Retailer Conversations on PBN, the Profitable Business Network. Now the host of E-Retailer Conversations with Principal of Profits Plus Solutions, here's your host, Tom Shea, and co-host, Bill Kendi. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this Thursday night conversation. Glad all of you could come and be a part of the program with us. It's going to be a, a, a great night because we had a, a great warm-up to the show and the three of us got together and uh, oh, we just know this one's, this one's going to be awesome. Glad that you could join us. Uh, let me take care of the technical work before I bring in everybody to the show. Um, let's see. Tonight's session is being recorded. It's going to be available on the ProfitsPlus.org website in two formats. It will have it as an MP3 file for those who are using an iPod or other similar device. And we have it as a click and listen link on the site that you can just sit there and turn up your speakers and listening to it. Uh, I would generally tell you that it is up there sometime later tonight. However, I'm of the opinion that we are paying our info stud, Bruce Giroux, way too much money because Bruce left us, um, let's see, Bruce left us yesterday, day before, on a two-week trip to Italy, he and his wife. So I, honestly, we're going to have to renegotiate this deal because that's, if he's affording going to, since, uh, going to um, that country of Italy and having a good time and we're not with him, well, We'll, we'll have to discuss that. In either case, it's being recorded. It'll be available for anyone to uh, listen to it. Uh, during the course of the night, I'm going to multitask. I am watching Facebook. You, uh, if you follow me, it's simply Tom Shea. And I will respond to any Facebook questions. And if you send an email, you can send them to Tom Shea at ProfitsPlus.org. Or uh, we have some from people who have already sent in to us. We'll be monitoring the uh, editor's account at ProfitsPlus.org. So we're trying from every corner possible to uh, make sure we got you covered. All right, so that being said, as I speak to you from cooling down, I mean under like 90 degrees, cooling down here in Florida, I'm going to invite my my good buddy, my friend from up in the uh, northern climates in Michigan to uh, join in the call, my co-host, the person I I have to always tell him thank you because he's the guy who came up with the idea for the format as to how we put together uh, e-retailer conversations. It was his baby. So that being said, co-host, uh, fellow speaker, author, writer, and, uh, well, it's, uh, he's the nice guy of the two, Bill Kendi. Mr. Bill, are you there? I am here, Tom. You know, and enough of the accolades. My wife tells me I have too big of a head anyway, but that is very kind of you. But now I have a couple of questions to ask you, Mr. Shea. Okay. First off, I have a hard time walking, talking, and chewing gum. How do you monitor all of this electronic stuff? Do you I have, have your friends here helping you and, like, pointing, say, Dad, you know, this is what you're supposed to do here, and Dad, you know, I'm just curious. No, I'm sitting here in the office. I have two computers up. Uh, I have uh, opened and tab marked a couple pages in the uh, book that we're going to talk about. I have pages here with questions from people, and uh, uh, yeah, it's it's all there. And uh, fortunately, our system that we're using is getting fancier and fancier uh, as to what we can do. I mean, you know, the, the software is getting better. Uh, so yeah, we're 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 doing we're doing okay. We we manage this. Good for you. Now, my second question is: Our info stud 
went to Italy for two weeks with his wife. Yeah. Right. Wasn't he worried about those Italian guys hitting on his wife? Could be. You know, it could be. I, I don't know where all he's going. He just said, he said, I just want you to know that I won't be there to do the conversation tonight. He says, I get back in town on um, Sunday the 27th, and I'll take care of it then. Well, and the second thing is I just wanted to tell you that I have a good friend who uh, went to Naples. Of course, when he told me he went to Naples, I, in my old age uh, stupidity, thought he meant Naples, Florida, but he meant Naples, Italy. And when he got back and he said to me that I never felt I was as close to passing on as when I was in a cab in Naples. So well, That could be in Naples, I, Florida, too. No, no, no. He was talking about the other Naples, buddy. So I hope the info stud gets back safe and sound. We need him. Well, I, I will tell you this one. And while he's off visiting whichever Naples, and he's in the Italy one, um, this time next week... Um, I will be in Paris. Paris where? Oh, you have Paris, Arkansas. Well, that's well. well why do you go? What are you going back to Arkansas, Tom? I am going home next uh, next Tuesday for several days, and let's see, if I go down one highway down the side of the Arkansas River, I will go through Paris, and if I go the other side down the river, I'll go through London. Whoa! Yeah. Well. Not only being a statewide, internet, multi-state international traveler, you know, you must have, um, you, know, you know, Arkansas must be pretty special to you. So, to it is. Uh, I, uh, I, lo- I do love going home. I've, uh, I have a, this is an annual trip. I go see uh, a bunch of friends that I went to high school with. We rent a couple of cabins on a mountain. Uh, yes. Friday night we will go watch our high school team play football, and we wander around our town and just... Just chill. Cool. You actually go back to see high school buddies? Oh, yeah. Yeah, these are friends I went to high, been high school, junior high school, middle school. We, we came from a small town where there was within a, a four-block distance mm-hmm. was the high school, the junior high, and the elementary school. Matter of fact, uh, one end of the football field was the high school, and the other end of the football field was the junior high school. Oh, so really good... Uh, Kicker could probably break windows on both sides. Uh, yeah, that happened. Yeah, that, that, that had happened before. Someone who did could, could take classroom windows out. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. My question is, I'm really excited to have this uh, gentleman on. Um, you like our guy? I'm here. I so, all right. So, let me see. Well, let me find. We, we picked special music for him tonight, didn't we? <laughs> Yes, we did. I all right, well, here, let me cue up the music, and, and you in, you introduce our guest. All right, here we go. Is a year-end planning type of business entities, uh you should need and look at, and uh, when it's time to look for a new accountant. And he's also going to chat about his book. So, having said probably way too much, uh, Michael, welcome. Hi, guys. Nice to see you, you, Mike, or or talk with you at least. Yeah, starting to recover a little bit. The uh, final extended due date for individuals was 
uh, Tuesday. Okay. So now what were you recovering from, the tax work or from the party for the last two days? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, honestly, it was the tax work. It was the uh, last couple of weeks. It was, it was uh, extraordinary, the... Uh, the number of procrastinators that there, that there are out there. And, uh, well, you know, look, let me wait, wait a minute, Mike. You know, if you owe, why should you be in a rush to do it? Well, the the tax is actually due in April. So the oh, interest clock is, is running from right. April until you actually pay the tax. So right. it, 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 while it gives you extra time to file, you really should try to pay what you think you're going to owe back in April. Yeah. Okay. Well, now that makes a very good question then. It, it, while I'm supposed to file on April 5th, by April 15th, do, do I have to file a piece of paper that says, hey, I want to wait and file in October? No. You can either yeah. file a piece of paper or um, uh, on my end, uh, most of my clients that I know are going to extend, we will actually electronically right. file an extension request on their behalf. Right. And, I, and I prefer that because I have an electronic record that the extension was actually sent and accepted if you mail it, most people don't mail return receipts, so they have no idea if it was actually ever received on the other end. Okay, so then I have, and there is a, if do I remember correctly, there is a percentage that for my tax that I need to have X percentage of the total tax bill paid by April 15th, or we start... You guys really want to get into the technical stuff, don't you? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just saying, for, well, because you, you made okay, a comment to us. When we visited... I mean, I, I don't know how you managed it, but we visited the three of us on Tuesday afternoon, which was the right. 15th. You somehow right. knocked out time on a schedule to talk to us. So apparently you pushed some people who were thought they were desperate aside. But you do have to pay a certain percentage by April 15th, or we start piling up tax penalties for, yeah, or whatever well, it is for. There, there's a couple things there. One is by April 15th of each year, uh, assuming you're a business owner and need to pay estimated tax payments, by April 15th of, of each year, you need to pay in an estimate of your tax liability for the first quarter of the current year. So for January, February, and March, that first quarter estimate's due April 15th of this year, along with what you think any outstanding tax is on the prior year. Okay? Of course, when I get starting what today, there are people back there to now start opening up envelopes for checks. Yeah. Are we yeah, so. well, did they did they actually go back today or is it tomorrow? I guess I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I'm not, I don't remember either. But supposedly but, they are back at work. But for the past whatever it's been, 12 days or so, no refunds have gone out, and uh, I know I have clients that are that are waiting for money. I am too. I'm not getting any, but I'm waiting for it. Right. <laughs> from the 15th, from April 15th, really. Uh, I have some that filed probably in early May or June that still haven't received money. And they don't get extra interest back on that either, do they? Actually, they will. They'll, the the uh, they Treasury will. will pay some interest from, what, from April 15th on. Now, if you file before April 15th, um, there, you, you won't get any interest generally. Mm-hmm. Because okay. it, because the due date's April fifteenth. That's when the clock starts running for you and the government as far as an interest on the outstanding balance. Mm-hmm. All right. So let, let me ask. Uh, let me pose the first question to you from a, uh, a listener. And this one, um, this one made a point to call me and want to to talk about it. Uh, 
nice guy. Um, even though he cheers for the wrong college football team, nice guy. Well, so um, do you. Well, which team is that? I mean, maybe we won't answer the question. <laughs> he, he cheers for Alabama. Oh, he does cheer for the wrong team. <laughs> yeah. R- wrong, wrong, wrong team, but we wrong still team. like the guy. So part of his problem, I mean, we've, we beat this issue up before, but was that the accountant comes up and surprises him with a tax bill, not, not the accountant's bill, but a tax bill to the IRS on um, Monday the, the 14th, and it's five digits to the left of the decimal point. And he's like, okay. He, he was very okay with it in the sense of wasn't expecting this much, uh, definitely that speaks to communication and uh, his comment was I know I can't do anything about 2012 and I said well you know, you've got a lot of 2013 already gone but um, he says you know what do I need to be looking at he is a C Corp mm-hmm. well, okay. and I said well you know I'm not the CPA Mike's the guy you got to talk to I said but however I said my my first thought uh, as a, and he says I'm a, I'm a retailer and I'm doing over a million less than two in gross sales a year and I said well now Tom's thought is what you're getting tagged with is that your corporation pays a tax and then any that you pass from the corporation to you turns around and gets taxed again. Am I correct on that? That's Yeah, that's generally correct. Now, um, it, as you guys know, it's not necessarily what you gross. It's, it's what you keep in the end that matters. Um, it, it, depending on what, what his company is netting, what the net income of the company is, um, it sounds to me like there might be some opportunities to do some planning and help him show, help him restructure his business entity to to generate some some tax savings, uh, and obviously we're here to talk about the the book, and that's those are kinds of the, the types of things that I go over in the book. Yeah, well, so, so let's talk first about the book. So you were our guest somewhere in the January. Was it January you were you were with uh, us? Uh, the first one was October of November or November of what last year? Yeah, yeah it's it's been a while. I mean. I thought it was. I didn't think. Oh, I didn't think it was that long ago. Yeah, but. yeah I think it's almost. It's almost been a year that for, for, since that first oh. call. So, well, in, you know, in thinking about that, my uh, one of my my twins was saying, "Oh, Dad, you're having Mike McCormick back," and he's, and he was showing me he had a YouTube video. Um, Do you ever watch Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Okay. Did you see the, the the opening skit one day? And I forgot who the person was about the Five Time Club. No, I didn't. Well, they had a, it was uh, it was a cute little spiel, and it, and it was all about here are the people who have been five time the host of our show. Uh, Paul Paul Simon, Chevy Chase, Alec Baldwin, all this, and and as you saw them, either their portraits are hanging on the wall, or they came walking in, they're wearing jackets that had the number five on it. You know, so I'm thinking at the rate Mike's going, he's gonna he's gonna be the original <laughs> member of the Five Time Club. I'll be the yeah, founding well. member. <laughs> yeah, founding member of the Five Time Club. Well, I okay. am the founding member of the Call In Club, right? Well, you know that that is it. I mean, you know, truth be said, that I I do have the two of you online, and, and the original deal was 
when I was doing the original conversations and Bill would call in as a listener, I mean, I've known Bill for many years, and he would say, you know, this, this it really stinks. He says, it's just you. He says, it's just, <laughs> not just, <laughs> he says, it's not. Oh, come on. It, it's stunk. All right, it's stunk. And he said, you know, you need to have somebody. I, I'm going to volunteer to be it. And then Mike McCormick was the one who called in one day when we were going to talk about accountants and said, would you mind if I listened in? And I said, how about would you be the guest and talk to us? And that's been, the, like, the most talked about show. So Mike's been here a second time. Mike's now here a third time. And, um... So when he was on the second time in, in January, and after the show, Mike calls and says, uh, hey, I'm coming down to Orlando for a conference, and I need to go see the uh, salt water, and closest salt water from there where he was was over here by us, and came over and spent some time here, and uh, we went out to dinner one really cold, cold yeah. night. Yeah, that was the coldest weekend in, that we could find in February, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, and, and we go to one of these on-the-beach you know, eat seafood kind of places, and the wind's howling through the place, and you're trying to eat your food with your. Gl- I mean, you, you can't eat fried shrimp with gloves on, okay? But it's, <laughs> it's messy anyway. It, 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 it was an attempt, and we ha- we had dinner. There were four of us there. We had dinner, and uh, Mike said, "Hold on a second. Went out to his car and came back, and said, "Here, here's something for you, uh, and it's this book, and I have it in my hand right now, and it's called." The Entrepreneur's Guide to Forming a Business Entity, Issues Every Business Owner Should Consider Before Starting or Restructuring Their Business, authored by Michael J. McCormick, CPA. And I read the book cover to cover, immediately read it, and I go, ooh, I like this book. I mean, you write good, Mike. <laughs> Thank you. you. You can easily understand what you're talking about. You get the points. And the book is arranged in a really neat format that, okay, here's one of the six formats that he talks about, and here's the reasons why, and here's the reasons why not, and, um, well, so how do I get my money since I own the business, and, um, you know, here's all the rules that it's got to go by, and here's what happens to that particular type, and then in the back section of the book, here are some samples of a bunch of uh, forms that uh, Mike is referring to in the book, I mean, nice job. Thank you. And uh, the book, my, right? It, I can go to to your website. You can go to it's it's live. The link's live right now on CincinnatiCPAFirm.com, just on the right. Okay, so that's CincinnatiCPAFirm.com. Dot com. And I can get it right there. Okay. And. Uh, just, I like the book. It makes sense, and I have, and you, you know that I have multiple times told people, go buy the book. Yeah, we've received several orders from uh, people that have attended your programs, and we appreciate it very much. Well, it's just it's it's good reading, and it, I, my my thought with the book is that if you were to read this book and then sit down, like this friend in Alabama have a conversation with the CPA, you're going to talk on a fairly you know, good level, a fairly intelligent conversation with that person. Yeah, you should be able to have a, a, a really detailed conversation about which entity might be the right one for your business. You know, when, when you're talking about a, a brand new company, 
I really like to have the conversation with not only with the client but with their attorney because you, you're, you're dealing with not only tax issues, but there are some legal ramifications to picking one of these. Um, so I like to have everybody in the same room to, to hash the things out and find the best option for, for the client because there, there is no perfect answer. Okay, no matter which entity they ch- they choose, there are going to be some some really good things, and there are going to be a couple of things that well, I really wish it didn't have that, but but we'll deal with it, we'll live with it, because these other things work so so well for us in our situation, and, okay. and that's what the what I've tried to lay out in the book is is in in, la- in mostly layman's terms, what okay. are the options, what pieces make sense for you, and and which one is going to um, help you save the most tax. Cool. Well, let's take a quick station break, and then we will uh, come back and uh, talk some more about the book and maybe even apply it to our friend in Alabama. Sure. This is E-Retailer Conversations on PBN, the Profitable Business Network. So our guest tonight is our friend Mike McCormick. Mike McCormick is known as the Cincy Tax Coach, C-I-N-C-Y, Tax Coach, Website CincyTaxCoach.com. Uh, Mike is the CPA, and uh, we're talking tonight about this book that he wrote that uh, he shared with me, and I've repeatedly told people it's great. And and it, I will tell you that every time um, I was at the Interbike Show in September, and I made mention it's interesting. I said, okay, folks, here's what you're doing. Boy, it's amazing. Even those who didn't have their pencils up, all of a sudden got them up. It's like, okay, now what's his name? Okay, what's his what's his address? I don't, where do I find him? I go, all I got this, Google Mike McCormick or Google Cincy Tax Coach. you find him. Uh, there's a website where you can go and uh, get the, uh, the book by itself, Cincinnati, C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I, C-P-A, firm.com. Uh, you can uh, get a hold of Mike on his phone, 513 488 one one two one. Unless he hollers at some point and says he's had too many customers, I'm sure he'd, he'd be glad to talk to you. Uh, you want to email him? His email address is Mike at CincyTaxCoach.com. So, Mike, let's use this example, okay? I mean, Bill's okay then because Bill's a Michigan State fan, so he he probably doesn't have any extra to grind with my Alabama fan. Um, <laughs> So in looking at his situation, he's concerned about how much money he's, he's paying. Uh, an option for him is sub-S? Uh, well, there, could, there might be several options for him. Um, you know, the, the most obvious one that most people seem to jump to, um, and, and it may or may not be the right option, is the S corporation. He doesn't need to reestablish a new entity in his state or any other state, he can make an election with the IRS to change the tax ramifications of his current entity. Now, that may or may not be the right thing for him in his situation. Um, one of the op- other options might be to create another entity that runs alongside this one um, that handles a part of his business that might be an S corporation. Um, you know, and, and, and the reason why I say an S may not be the right option because, one, we haven't obviously done any planning for him, but um, a C-corporation has the most liberal rules for employee benefits. And obviously the owner is an employee of his own company. 
And on the other hand, an S corporation puts some pretty onerous limitations on employee benefits for greater than 2% shareholders. So it, 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 uh, at first blush, S Corp is, is a, an easy assumption um, because the net, net income of the company would be taxed on his personal return instead of at the corporate level and then his personal side. Uh, but it's not necessarily the right one for everybody. And that's where you, you have to sit down and talk about it. It's, it's got to be, you know, it is. It isn't a situation so easy that in five minutes on this radio show that you can say I've got all your answers for you. No, absolutely not. And and um, hopefully somebody's not thinking that we're going to be able to do that because these these decisions have long term impacts. Mostly, uh, you know, it's not a decision you can you want to make today and and change tomorrow. You want to make sure you know what the the benefits and, and the drawbacks to each one are before you pull the trigger on making a change. Okay. So now you say in the book there's six possibilities. I can be a sole proprietor, a general partnership, a limited partnership, a C-corp, an S-corp, or what we commonly know as LLC, limited liability corporation. Limited liability company. Company, right. Now, within things like an LLC, does, am I correct in thinking LLC has multiple facets? I mean, LLC, LLLC, LCLP, and... Yeah, depending on what state you're in, they they offer some different flavors of that limited liability um, uh, type of entity. Um, And we don't really cover much of that in the the book because not all states offer those, um, those options. Um, and, and you're right, there are probably six basic ones, but then you can get into different variations on the LLC especially because you can be registered as an F, as an LLC in your state or any state really, um, but then elect to have it taxed as if it were a C corporation or as if it were an S corporation. So we, we can throw some different options at that entity type down the road as well. Okay. All right. So now, where does um, DBA come in? I mean, I see I see people with businesses and put uh, DBA in front. Where Where does DBA come into play? A D, DBA is um, a doing business as, uh, and it's generally used for a sole proprietor, someone who has not established a business entity in their state or or any other Secretary of State's office. Um, so instead of operating as um, Mike McCormick CPA. It, I might operate as Cincy Tax Coach or Mike McCormick DBA Cincy Tax Coach. Now I happen to be an LLC, but but the DBA is generally followed by the name of a company and preceded by the name of a person. Right. Well, what are the benefits you can add? It doesn't really matter, Mike. Well, uh, as far as the DBA. In terms of taxes, it really doesn't matter whether you have a DBA or you're still a sole proprietorship. That's right. You're still a sole proprietor. And um, the, the default for a single-member LLC, in other words, uh, no, no additional partners, is to be taxed as a sole proprietor as well. So, right. so it, it, it puts a barrier up around you for legal purposes, but for tax right. purposes, you look exactly the same. Right. Now, if you're talking about whether it's an S-Corp, an LLC, or a C-Corp, you know, aside from the tax aspects of things, you know, probably, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming this is true that really one of the major benefits is that you have a corporate veil that is not so easy to pierce. 
in, as it would be for a um, sole proprietorship, correct? Well, we're going to tread um, pretty close to, to the legal line there, but um, that's the theory: is that you're, you're putting now you're, the theory is that you're putting up a barrier between you and, and predators, somebody that may want to get to you or your assets. Um, but but on the on the again on the accounting and tax side, you still need to jump through the correct hoops, keep the books and records separate from your personal life, and treat that entity separate from yourself if you really expect the court or someone else to uh, look at it as separate. And that's where I see a lot of problems with entities that have been created without that advice is that um, you're not keeping book, good books and records, you're not separating your, your personal life from the company, and, and it really gets messy and um, can create problems in, the, in, a, in a court. Mm -hmm. All right, well, we're cruising down to the... Um Bottom of the hour. Our uh, our guest tonight with Bill Kendi and me is uh, our friend Mike McCormick. We know him as the the Cincy Tax Coach. Mike is uh, tonight discussing with us uh, a book that he has written. It's called The Entrepreneur's Guide to Forming a uh, Business Entity. It subtitles it Issues Every Business Owner Should Consider Before Starting or Restructuring Their Business. I still have questions here on hand that we will ask Mike in the uh, second half of the program. Let me tell everyone that you want to find Mike. You can do so two ways. Uh, email is mike at cincy, that's C-I-N-C-Y, taxcoach.com, or you give him a call in Cincinnati, 513-488-1121. Uh, I'm sure a quick Google of Cincy Tax Coach or Mike McCormick is going to bring you up to the right spot. And with that being said, we uh, at this point we kind of take a, a little quick breather so the three of us can get a, a drink of water. And with that, uh, you know, we always try to pick out a song, something that we think relates to our guy. And uh, between Mike and uh, October 15th being passed, this is what we got for the guy. We, we think this kind of gets it right three, on. Four, <laughs> one, two. Welcome back. Welcome to Bill Kendi, Tom Shea, our guest, Mike McCormick. Tonight we are talking several items. Your questions that you have sent in. We're talking about Mike's book, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Forming a Business Entity. Uh, good investment for your money. Uh, you can pick up a copy of the book if you go to CincinnatiCPAFirm.com. Uh, 
get it there. Uh, Mike, let me ask you this one, because I have up on the website that uh, that very particular website, CincinnatiCPAFirm.com, and at the yeah. top, uh, in addition to your smiling face there, uh, you've got a pr- promotion where it says, get your free copy of the top, top ten tax mistakes business owners make costing them thousands. Right. Tell me about that, please, sir. Well, it's a, a compilation of issues that we see on a regular basis. Um, obviously, one of them is the um, the, the uh, issue of creating or, or, or using the correct business entity, um, using a medical expense reimbursement plan in your company, um, hiring your kids in the company. Um, you know, there's. I don't remember all of the ones we have in there off the top of my head, but I can pull them up if you'd like. Well, but the thing, it would also include things like uh, if you're a small business owner and um, the corporation, whichever format you take, is owned by you and your wife. Um, you know, how, I'll ask Mike. Let's put him on the spot, Bill. Um, so how liberal are you with regard to that when we want to have our board of directors meeting where we can go hold it? Oh, there you, right. you, you heard you were in there listening, so you heard that our info stud Bruce is in a two-week trip with his wife to Italy. Is um, is Naples, Italy, a good place to have it, a board of directors I, meeting? I, I, yes. I, it's as good as any. But <laughs> it's funny. I just got off the phone with a an advisor that I work with. He's in uh, I think Sedona, Arizona, and uh, Dave does uh, some retirement plan work for with, with some of my clients uh, in the real real estate area. And um, he's on his way to Hawaii uh, to have the board of, me- board of directors meeting and meet with a couple of employees over there. Um, now, his business is generating enough revenue where, where it would be seen as ordinary and necessary to have a business meeting in somewhere other than Sedona, Arizona. Um, so so you, gotta, you still need that, to meet that ordinary and necessary um, criteria. Okay, now what well, all? Tell, tell us about what all is in that criteria that we have to do. I was just going to ask. Well, in your line of work, is it ordinary to travel to a distant place to have a board of directors meeting or have an employee retreat? Would be another uh, type of program where uh, travel would be might be involved, or to uh, travel to obviously a conference or something like that. Those are easy ones. Um, right. But but the other issue is you know the cost of it. Um, would it be would it be ordinary and necessary for a business of uh, of your size to expend the amount of money it requires to to facilitate that travel and, and the, the hotel and all those sorts of things? Um, I had a, a client a couple of years ago that was a, a small, uh, we'll say, um, tweener clothing store for for girls, and the owners. Um, had had at resources other than from that business, and they would uh, charter a private jet twice a year to fly to New York for the the trade shows. And and I would argue that that it's a bit excessive for that type of business. They were only grossing about two hundred thousand dollars a year, and it probably cost twenty thousand dollars per trip for the private plane. So, in my opinion, that was not ordinary necessary for that size business. But if he were doing two million dollars a year, well, that's yeah. It's, it's a matter of scale. If they're doing two million dollars a year or five million dollars a year, uh, I, I would think it would make more sense to to uh, and, and be a lot easier to 
uh, justify. Well, you know, Mike, is there a, uh, uh, I mean, from what you're telling me, kind of a relative decision. It's kind of an arbitrary sort of, let's try to stay within some reasonable guidelines, but yet those guidelines are not defined. So really right. somebody, you, know, you can't say that you can spend 3% of your total net revenue on a board meeting. No, there's, there's, and that's that's kind of, that's part of the the beauty of the tax code is in, for most things there's no bright line test, you know there, yeah. you know there there's a lot of gray area, and um, I was talking to a, a buddy of mine the other day. My favorite color is gray because <laughs> it gives yeah. us options. It's 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 not that I'm trying to skirt the law in any way, but where where, the, where it's vague or there's not a bright line test. You know, we we want to be reasonable in what we do, but it gives us the flexibility to um, do the right thing for the client. Yeah. Can you can, can you? Um, I guess he's interrupting Tom, but can you legally, let's say that you're an LLC or a subchapter S or a C corp, whatever, can you pay your board members for service? It, again, it, as long as it's ordinary and necessary to do that, and and oh, uh, I would think that. I would think it would be ordinary and necessary. Otherwise, well, what's their incentive to be paid? Well, I want you to be on my board, and I'm going to pay you 12 grand. You right. could do that. I, I don't hey, think you <laughs> What's that? I said, Tom, are you listening? Tom, yeah. hello. Yeah. But you could <laughs> do that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I would think so. Okay. Okay. But the 12000 is taxable to the individual. That's right. So yeah. what? Geez, no. they only walked in with $8,800. Okay, that's, you know, that's, that's funny. That you, um, yes, it is taxable to the individual. And, and I have the conversations with employees who have company cars. The, the company yeah. is providing them a vehicle, but they have yeah. to include a, a personal use of the company car on, the, on their W-2 each year, and, and, the, and the employee yeah. has to pay tax on that, and the employee is right. complaining about it. And I say, well, you know, you, you could buy the $40,000 car yourself, too. <laughs> And incur the whole cost of it with after-tax dollars. So there's, there's a uh, you got to think about both sides of the issue. Oh, at 52.5 cents or whatever it is, 55.2 cents. You know, 55 and a half on a mile. Yeah. yeah, well, after a mile, it's not a bad thing either. But anyway, let me ask one before uh, before we get to the to the 8:40 breaks. Um, Mike, it show that you know the Interbike Show. I had someone mention, and it's not relative to what an audience would do, but someone mentioned um, about a hybrid legal entity for a nonprofit. Oh, really? Uh, Such an animal? I'm not sure what they were referring to. Um, You know, uh, 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 nonprofits can be corporations and LLCs. but I'm not sure what they're referring to as far as a hybrid. You know, he had a name for it, and it's like, uh, unfortunately, I've slept once or twice since whatever that well, was. And, and, and it could be unique to his state, whatever that was. Well, well, well Mike, a nonprofit's 501c6, right? Pardon? Yeah. Oh. Well, I don't know. Interesting. Oh, well. Well, anyway, um, we're getting close to about 840, aren't we, Mr. Shea? Close enough. Well, I just got, you know, Mike, you know, I, you know, we always like to throw a little thing in here for folks that are listening to tell them who we're going to have on next month. you think you might be able to help me out with that one? You got it. 
Bill, got a special guest joining us for our November 21st call, uh, just in time for Thanksgiving. We're serving up a really big special event. I was at a trade show back in um, September in Chicago, and they had a very interesting educational format, multiple sessions going on at the same time, and next to me was this guy who just kept drawing in the crowd. I mean, he they kept pulling in more and more chairs to come and hear what this guy had to say, and I thought, ooh, this guy must be fascinating, because... He did 11 sessions over three days, and they just kept showing up and wanting to listen to what he has said. So I, um, I wandered next door to him and introduced myself to him and found out that uh, our, our guest that we're going to have is now my friend. His name is Gene Soar, and Gene Soar uh, has a, a company called Samson Media, and he's got quite the, the resume of businesses that he's been about, um, about.com and onto.com, two uh, big domain companies. Um, he's been a part of them. And, uh, well, Gene, are you there with me, my friend? Yeah, Tom. Hi. Thanks. Well, thanks for coming and being with us, and uh, thanks for joining us next month. I, I was fascinated by the way you drew so many people to your sessions. Well, it really, you know, I think it really touched on a chord because no matter what type of business you have, uh, you know, the topic of, of, of our workshop was really how to harness the power of social media marketing to drive traffic and drive sales to your business. And you apparently had everyone's attention. I mean, they, they seem fascinated by it, and I know from having spoken with you afterwards, you've got uh, uh, quite a long list of successful clients who, who sing your praises about what you've done for them, and you are going to be kind enough to uh, uh, join us on Thursday, November 21st to... Uh, tell other businesses who listen to our e-retailer conversations how they can have the same thing for them. Absolutely. You know, social media, it's a very hot topic, but there's also a lot of misinformation out there. People know that they need to be involved. They're not sure how to begin. So that's something that we'll talk about when we get together next month. We'll talk about how to get involved, how to automate the process, how to make it more effective and, and efficient for you as the business owner. So we're going to invite Bill, everybody starting with tonight, to uh, send in their email questions that we promise that uh, Gene will answer all of them. And in the interim, for those who would like to go and see just exactly who this guy is and, and what he does, uh, let me tell you to go to samsonmedia.net, spelled S-A-M-S-O-N, media.net. And as you get to the site, you'll get to meet... Gene Sower and hear what he has to, to tell you about it, and we hope you join us. And Gene, we are looking forward to you being with us on November 21st, 8 p.m. Eastern, for e-retailer conversations. Looking forward to it, Tom. Thanks a lot. Huh. So there you go. Well, that's pretty cool. Maybe yeah. I can learn something. Of course, I don't know anything about social media, so anything I learn will be a you know, benefit. <laughs> But I, he, he had the crowd, so it, it was pretty good. Um, I need to ask uh, another question. Okay, you ready? Sure. Uh, Mike, this email comes in and says, uh, business, three individuals, formed an LLC, has been in business uh, you know, four or five years. Uh, their state is New York. And um, he says, our, our lawyer has advised us that it's necessary for us to file a legal notice which will attest to the fact of, the, of our existence as an LLC. Uh, we have not, have not done this because it's just expensive, thousands of dollars. Golly, that's an expensive lawyer. We all go to law school. Anyway, it's about $3,000, which is mostly the 
cost of placing the notice in any acceptable newspaper. Um, how important is, do you think it is to publish this notice, and what are the potential negative consequences for us not doing so? That is a tough question. Uh, so, we, this is the one we talked about the other day, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I sent you this one. The guy sent yeah. to me. <clears throat> well, there's a couple things. One, each state is different regarding public notice. And like I said the other day, some of these requirements are go back to pre-Internet days when somebody couldn't just put your name in and, and figure out who you are and how you're doing business. Um, so they, requ- they, st- they may still require you to put something in print media, which is what New York is doing. Um, what I would suggest, one, is in, in this guy's case, um, he should contact his attorney immediately. Um, from what I looked up on the, I think it was the New York Secretary of State's website, that the, no- the notice is supposed to be posted within 60 days of starting the entity. So, so he may have a, a, an issue that he needs to, to deal with. But those sorts of questions are best handled by by the attorney that hopefully helped the client set up the entity. Um, uh, now yeah. Some states will allow CPAs to create the business entity with the Secretary of State, but here in Ohio, the, the Ohio Bar Association seems to take a dim view of, of accountants doing that, and they, they go after us for the unlicensed practice of law. Um, we we don't like that. Down in Florida, CPAs can create entities. Mm-hmm. Now, are you talking about that? If you have, if you start a, any sort of corporation, you need to publish it in quote in, in, in print, you know writing quote as a classified in a legal newspaper. Yeah, we, that's exactly what what this is what what it looks like New York requires. Here in Ohio, we're not required to do that. Well, no, no, we I have a part of it in Florida. We do have part of that in Florida, but what we have, like, uh, I live uh-huh. in St. Petersburg, and we have, uh, I, I think ours is the largest newspaper in the state, so I would imagine, yeah, right. that's kind of expensive. So you can't go say, ooh, let's go pick, like, Arcadia or Wachula or some out of the way little town and right. uh, get in theirs. But what we do have is we have a publication, a newspaper called Pinellas, Business Times or something like that, and to which a attorney friend of mine says nobody reads it, but right. it is a legally published newspaper, and right. he says, and that's what we use to to put our announcements in. It's, yeah. He says it's distributed, it's got the circulation proof and all, and that's right. uh, you know it's a whole lot cheaper than going to the the newspaper, which I can remember twenty years ago, a column inch in that newspaper was somewhere north of $200. I can only imagine what it is now. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, except except time you're we have one called the uh, Business Courier, and, and yeah. you don't have to place those legal notices in there. Those They have reporters or somebody that's watching the public files to put that information right. in there. Now, what some people may try to do to avoid that, they may establish, say, a Nevada or a Wyoming entity and, and still do business in their home state, like in this case, like New York, but I, I, st- I don't think that would get you around the requirement because now you have a foreign entity, the New Yorker, or, or, or I'm sorry, the, the Wyoming or Nevada Corporation doing business in New York, so it still needs to register there. Mm-hmm. Well, now, where's the, what's the deal that kicks in? I mean, you're mentioning, were, were you specific to Wyoming or Nevada for particular reasons, Mike? 
Well, it seems to be that when somebody asks me if they should form an entity, they, they always start with, should I form a Nevada corporation or a Wyoming sure. corporation or a Delaware corporation? I, was, I always thought the story yeah, was Delaware. Delaware. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've seen that a lot. It's, it's, uh, it used to be Delaware only, but, but now those uh, – and, and it really it doesn't seem to have the same effect as it used to um, because if you're doing business as a Nevada corporation or a Delaware corporation – you generally still need to register in the home state. Um, companies used to try to do that to avoid paying taxes in their home state, like Ohio. Um, they would form the Nevada Corporation or the Del- Delaware, Delaware entity, do business here in Ohio. Ohio has no idea that you're doing business here uh, and no way to tax you. Um, but now, now if you're found to be doing business here, you, you've got pretty stiff penalties. But if you were a brick-and-mortar business, as uh, this person who sent the question is, as a matter of fact, this is, you know, as you saw on the email as I shared it with you, Mike, you know, he comes out of an industry you're very familiar with. Um, it's kind of hard to hide a, a brick-and-mortar business in a state because you're, you're going to have to have uh, utility bills for the building you're in. Um, yeah. You may have I, to I have a city or a county business license. Well, you, you would think they would have those things, but, but each of those um, taxing uh, jurisdictions are, are, for the most part, independent. So while you may register, for, register with the sales tax department in the state, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're registered to do business in that state with the secretary of state of that uh, area that you're doing business in. You know, wow. Most states are still not tied together enough where, where they can pull those records together and know who is actually registered for um, a business license, a sales tax license, as well as reference that back to the Secretary of State filings. Mm-hmm. So you're just hoping that it's enough bureaucracy there that one doesn't catch you, catch doesn't talk to the other. They don't have lunch together, so to speak. Well, that, that's a, yeah, that's a good way to say it. Uh, I don't know that that I would be hoping that that's the case, but that is that is still the case that in most places. Yeah. Huh. Okay. All righty. Well, let's see. 8.50. Let's take a quick break. This is the Profitable Business Network. And this is e-retailer conversation for the month of October. This is 17th of October, 2013. And our, let's see, Bill Kendi, Tom Shea, and our guest tonight is Mike McCormick. Mike is our uh, favorite CPA who uh, is kind enough to come and join us and allow us to ask him uh, all kinds of questions about the uh, things dealing with businesses. Um, you know, the one area I'd like to hit on as we get ready to get down to winding up the thing, uh, Mike made a comment, made two comments, the one I'd like you to give him a shot to go off on. Um, one was, you've outgrown your accountant. And the second one was, my favorite color is gray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We of gray. You know, it right, Fifty Shades of Gray. Is, is that is is that an accounting book, Mike? <laughs> well, you might be surprised the kind of accounting that's in there. I guess I don't. I haven't read it. Yeah, no. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Forget it. <laughs> I think it's a college textbook, Tom. Fair uh-huh. enough. Yeah. Okay. So that's if you would, I, I I know where your comments going, but I'd like you to have the opportunity to explain when you're saying favorite color is gray. Expand on that, please, sir. Well. 
by saying that, I, I'm not trying to say we're trying to skirt the law or do anything illegal. Um, but because of the way these a lot of laws are written, they're not always specific uh, to a taxpayer si- situation. So there's some opportunity to um, to use that the the writing of the law to the taxpayer's advantage. Um, and it, again, it's not to break the law; it's to 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 meet the the, the requirements of the law as we interpret them. Um, and, and it gives us some leeway when we're doing some tax planning. Again, it's not to break the law at all, uh, yeah. but it's to. But you said interpretation. It, well, and that's that's why we have courts. You know, laws are, are have a tendency to be written vague enough, where in at some point um, somebody is going to take that that to court and and fight to um, fight for their their interpretation, and the court's going to rule one one way or the other. And that's why we have a tax court also. So then we could have a situation where uh, I am your client, I am a small business owner, and if I have no knowledge of accounting whatsoever other than put the papers in a box and hand them to you, then I'm pretty well left to your your devices with regard to how to interpret the gray. Well, or if you even interpret gray. In, in certain situations, that, that could be the case. Now, it, what we try to do is educate our client. Here are the options available to us, and here's, here's what we think is the best course of action. I, what I don't do is put a client in a situation where, um, where we're so far into the, the dark gray or the, dark, the, the red side of it where this thing's probably going to end up in tax court. Um, or or in, or in criminal court for that matter, um, you know I, I have colleagues where um, they do things or, or put clients in a situation that, in my opinion, is a little bit too far, and and the and the attorney might say, well, well, if it if it gets uh, challenged, we'll just fight it in court. Well, that's fine, but have you told the client? If it goes to court, it's going to be an eight-week uh, issue, and you're going to charge them $450 per hour to fight this thing. Is it worth that risk to them? That's the piece of the conversation that they don't have with the client, and and I won't put a client in that position. You know, yes, we we want to, we like to work in the gray, but we're not going to push the client to a situation where um, where they're going to have to to, to fight for themselves unknowingly. So as long as where you could win the uh, was it win the battle lose the war because it cost you so much to that's right and I and I've seen it happen you know I, um, people have come to me or I've given advice and and they'll go to an attorney and the attorney will say well this is what I would do and it's the total opposite of what I may have said um, and the client will say well we'll just fight it in court and I say well here's the rest of the story and then the client backs off a little bit you know some clients come in gung ho about um, taking as many uh, deductions as they can and all that stuff, but when you when you really explain what the ramifications of pushing that that bright line too far, um, the the reality sets in that it's not really worth the risk in most cases. So how do I manage to uh, outgrow my accountant? Well, I mean, just like I eat more than you eat. <laughs> That's one way. <laughs> Well, if if all your accountant is doing is taking your tax information once a year 
and summarizing it in a way that, that allows them to prepare a tax return. They put the, the right numbers in the right boxes, and they, they file what the IRS considers a technically correct income tax return. If that's all they're doing, you're, you're probably paying more in income tax than you, you're legally required to, which, w- which would lead me to believe you've probably outgrown the services of that, that particular professional. I'm not saying that they're incompetent. I'm just saying that, that what they're able to do or what they're willing to do for you may not meet your needs anymore. At, at one point, it was probably okay to give them your W-2 and your itemized deductions and send you on your way. But when you have a business uh, in, this, in, this, in the mix, um, you need somebody that's going to go the next step and, and preferably talk to you early enough in the year where you know uh, what strategies you're going to be doing, how you need to record those in your books and records, and um, almost know what the ultimate tax return is going to look like. So perhaps even uh, an accountant who's going to push the individual as a client uh, to say, you know, you, you really don't know enough to carry on a conversation with me and, and you need to know this stuff. I mean, right at that point, if I don't know how to carry on a conversation with you, the accountant, am I not leaving you out there as a lone ranger to kind of do yes, what you best are. you can? Yeah, you are. You know, it, 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 there is some responsibility for the client to engage the accountant. You know, if if all you want to do is drop off your stuff and have a tax return printed and, and e-filed or whatever, that is your option. But like I said, you're 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 not using that resource to the best of its ability. Um, if it's the right resource to begin with. So at that point, you may have outgrown somebody. Correct. And if you have, uh, then we're going to say, you know, there's this guy we know in Cincinnati. His <laughs> name is Mike McCormick, yes. Cincinnati tax coach. Uh, CincyTaxCoach.com is his website. Uh, email is Mike, how convenient, Mike at CincyTaxCoach.com, that's C-I-N-C-Y, and a phone number, 513-488-1121. And, and while we have had um, a bunch of people on as guests who have written books, um, this is probably the, you know, this is the only one I've ever taken said, you know, folks, this is a book you definitely ought to go get. I, I've never pushed books on on the show, but I will say, hey, this is worth the investment. It's a good book. It's going to save you a lot of money compared to talking to the accountant on some issues. And you can go to CincinnatiCPAFirm.com and you scroll down the page and down the right side, halfway down, there's a little thing that says, Order, the Entrepreneur's Guide. And click on that link and it will take you to a page and You'll be set, and you can order what you what you need to order. It's actually on both sites now. So oh, they, it's on Cincy Tax Coach also. One. Yes. Okay. Well, Michael, thank you again for coming on our show. You were uh, just just great, and I hope people got a lot out of it. I know I did. Well, I appreciate it. I I, I teased Tom with this um, on a previous conversation, but the, the, my next book or comp- compilation book will come out in February. Uh, it's going to be titled uh, tentatively, uh, Why Didn't My CPA Tell Me That? And I'm in with, I think, 14 other authors, and I'll be able to share more details as, as it comes together. 
Great. All right. So, so when we get together for next year, we'll ha- we'll have uh, some more stuff that we can talk about. There we go. That's cool. Okay. Well, Mr. Shea and I, didn't it be time? I think for that special sound. It's been our pleasure to share fresh ideas and trends from premier small business owners, coaches, and resources. Join Tom Shea and guests again next month for e-retailer conversations right here on PBN, the Profitable Business Network. (laughs) 